Greetings. Today is December 1st, 2021. My name is Christopher Hoster, and I'm the founder and executive director of Opus One Berks Chamber Choir. It's my pleasure to welcome you to season two, episode four of Opus One's podcast, Octavo, which airs on the first of the month. The podcast covers pertinent topics and issues related to the world of choral music. We also spotlight people, ensembles, organizations having a positive impact on our artistic community. Each podcast will have a main theme and will feature guests with knowledge in that particular area. Joining me are my normal partners in crime, Debbie Silas and Scott Tice. So we've chosen to call today's podcast Christmas in Paris, which is the same title as Opus One's upcoming concert at St. John Baptist de La Salle in Shillington on Sunday, December 12th at 4 p.m. Opus One will present Camille Saint-Saëns' Oratorio de Noël, as well as works by Faré, Gounod, Berlioz, Charpentier, and Josquin Dupré. The 30-piece chamber choir under the direction of Chris will be joined by five professional soli and accompanied by organ and harp. The concert will also serve as a food drive to benefit Helping Harvest. Today, we are going to discuss the concert in more depth and what lies ahead for Opus One in 2022. Later, we will be joined by Jay Warall, the president of Helping Harvest, to talk about the food drive. But now we are joined by Mary McCormick. Is it Archukowski? Did I say Archukowski. that right? Archukowski, super oh, close. <laughs> the soprano soloist for the upcoming Christmas in Paris concert. Mary has performed extensively in the Berks County and Philadelphia areas in a wide variety of genres. She has appeared as a soloist with the Reading Symphony Orchestra, Reading Pops Orchestra, Burke's Opera, and of course, Opus One Chamber Choir. She is an active member of the Philadelphia Orchestra Symphonic Choir, where she has performed works such as Amal and the Night Visitors and Candide. In addition, Mary is active in the musical theater community and has performed with Genesius Theater, Reading Civic Theater, the Conrad Weiser 76ers, and Fleetwood Community Theater. Mary McCormick also has um, sung, also sings, I should say, with jazz and swing music and uh, in the group called Let's Dance Orchestra. Mary served as an adjunct voice prof professor at Temple University for four years and currently maintains a private voice studio. She completed her master's in vocal performance at Temple University and her BA in music at Kutztown University. Welcome, Mary. It's nice that you joined us today. Thanks so much for having me. Mary, I'm going to start off by saying um, I have interviewed and sung over the years uh, with many highly accomplished uh, singers. Um, other than the love of music, that seems to be the common thread. Another one uh, is that they started singing at an early age. Is this the case with uh, your journey in singing? Yeah, so I actually didn't take any voice lessons until I got to college, but since I was born, my mom says I was always singing. So I grew up singing at church and then in musicals. Um, through middle school and high school. Very cool. Yeah. Now, the upcoming concert that you're going to be singing with Opus One, um, all of the repertoire is in foreign language, mostly Latin, with one French piece. As a soloist performing in front of a mostly English-speaking audience, how does a soloist convey the words and the meaning and the feeling of what is being said through a foreign language? So the first thing I do is I look up a good translation of what I'm singing. Um, and then, you know, some of, especially because I'll be singing in Latin mostly, and some of this text may be familiar a little bit to the listeners. Um, but 
you know, we say, depending on what you're saying, right, you would say sweetly differently than you would say harsh or, you know, something else. And so I think through your face and through the timbre that you choose and your phrasing, you can help to um, convey what you're singing. So Mary, as, as a professional singer and um, voice teacher, you're also a voice teacher, private voice teacher. Um, what does it mean to you to go back to in-person singing after such a long sort of hiatus with COVID? Oh, it's wonderful. I've learned to how I was, well, I don't want to say I was surprised how much I missed it, but I was surprised how much I missed it because it felt, it was so isolating. It's so different to just sing in your own house with your piano that's kind of out of tune because the tuner can't come out, you know, because of COVID and everything. And so um, to finally sing with other people in the audience and, and with other singers, it's, I just feel so much more connected and I feel so much less it was just so, so isolating. And I think everyone um, is appreciating live music. You know, I mean, the, the I find the audience is so much more responsive and appreciative too of the singers. And um, I think I'm more appreciative of like the connection, singing with other people and being able to make music together. Cause I think that's the magic of it. What was your, um first performance that you sang back with a live audience? So I started to sing in church a little bit around Easter. That was the first time I had sung and it was there was no congregational singing. But the first, I think, really gig I had was um, World War II weekend at the Reading Airport. I sang with the Let's Dance Band and on Friday night, there's a huge swing dance. And so that was the first thing that I did that felt normal. You know, I was outside and there were people dancing and it was so much fun. It was really, really great. So I know that <clears throat> Opus One has been taking like a lot of, of uh, these COVID, I mean, we're taking COVID very, very seriously and we've been implementing these COVID protocols. So when you're singing with all of these other groups, what sort of things are you seeing that they are implementing um, as far as, uh, you know, dealing with COVID? Are, are, they, are they pretty strict? Are you finding they're pretty lax? Yeah, I'm finding they're um, quite strict. So my, the Let's Dance Orchestra, the swing band, everyone in that band is vaccinated. Um, and so a lot of them are teachers or retired teachers. So, so that was no problem there. Um, and then I just actually had re-auditioned for the Philadelphia Symphonic Choir. And to even get an audition slot, you had to send your, a picture of your vaccination card to even ha get a time to audition. And then when you, go, when you went in, everyone had a mask on. You took your mask off just to sing. Every, you know, the pianist and the judges were all masked and very far away. I did a musical this summer and everyone was vaccinated. So I found everyone's been pretty responsive. Great, yeah. Um, we've, we've found that our, um, our audience is really supportive of our efforts and grateful, actually. We've gotten lots yeah. of compliments about how, how they felt. We had our, our Doubletree concert uh, in October and people felt really safe at that concert. So I was really happy with that. Yeah, that's really important, I think. Um, just to jump back to the this concert coming up, I just wanted to ask, like, were you familiar with this work before? No, I had never sung this. It's beautiful. I, I've heard, I actually, this is the first song that I've sung. You know, I'm familiar with some of his art songs and of course his orchestral works, um, but this right. is lovely. Yeah, I've never done it before. So French uh, romantic, we're going into the 20th century really with uh, Camille Saint-Saëns and sort of a contemporary of Faure, um, basically a contemporary of Faure. 
Um, are there any things that you you found interesting in this music that you didn't expect or, you know, that you had to carefully prepare for that you wouldn't have if you were singing, I know, you know, like Handel's Messiah or something like sure. memorable for, for a December? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I love French romantic music and that impression. I just, I just love that time. I think what's very interesting is how he's borrowing sort of tropes from older oratorios. For example, there's the bit about, you know, when the angel announces, right, the birth of God, it's, it's like it's lifted from the Messiah and just put in um, Latin. So I think that that's been really interesting. You know, oh. the, the prelude is, is actually supposed to be, it's a prelude in the style of Bach. That's what the, the okay. prelude, that's the actual title of the prelude. So yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> scream romantic at you. Like it's sort right. of like it's a lot of borrowed ideas from the Baroque period when there was oratorio after oratorio after oratorio, but then with like Saint-Saëns flavor. Um, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I think that um, the reason, one of the reasons I picked the piece is because it's so accessible, which is not really um, characteristic of late, I think late French romantic works. I mean, we sang, uh, we sang some Debussy, the La Demoiselle de a couple years ago. I guess it's more than a couple now, years ago. But I mean, that's just, it, it, so it exudes this like atmospheric music, you know, and that's not what this piece is at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think from like a technical standpoint, so I'm working on the sort of Frenchified Latin. This is the first yeah. time I've done that. So that's <laughs> kind of, I have to like rewire my brain. I'm like, what am I, what, you know, what consonants am I singing here? And then there's a number of times just from a technical perspective where he sets you up with this long phrase or like it's been a page and a half, two pages since you've had like a full beat to breathe and then there's a high C somewhere like at the end of a phrase and you're like oh my goodness that's all so that I've been working on that <laughs> yeah. I think yeah and the, the other thing I just wanted to mention is that the, the chorus um they're singing I mean a, a lot of it is homophonic so part of part of part but um but some of it is this fugal-esque kind of stuff yeah. And it's not, again, not what they were really expecting. So it's it's very interesting. I think it's a great work. Um, yeah. I wish more people did it more often because I think it's such a pretty, pretty piece. Yeah. Um, if anything, people would know the prelude, um, the the orchestra prelude, and then the uh, the the final piece, the Tolite Ostias, which is a really yes. familiar familiar work, but also accessible. So. The other thing I just wanted to quickly ask you about, Mary, um, is that you're doing a master class for us, a monthly master class, and it's the first master class after the new year, and that's January 29th. It's Saturday, January 29th at noon, and that will be at Nativity Lutheran Church. So how do you, as you wear many hats, right? You wear the yeah. hat of performer, the hat of teacher. Um, you ride horses, which is really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how do you prepare for something like a, like a master class or a voice lesson like that um, differently, or even just differently than a voice class or voice lesson to a master class? How do you prove? Yeah, so I think the biggest difference is that these are not my students. So I'm not working with them, you know, week in and week out and developing technical concepts or, you know, I'm getting a snapshot of what they're doing. So um, I usually don't delve too far into a technical aspect because they're probably working with their own teachers and I don't want to mess things up too much. But I usually look at sort of big picture concepts like, okay, we, we need to think more about how this, the shape of this phrase and how that affects 
you know, how we can convey more through the shape of that phrase? Um, or is your body language, like how, how is that, is that connected to what you're singing or saying? And sort of, I think I focus more on how can we make this, this whole thing a more clear interpretation of the piece and making sure that the singer has a really clear idea of what they're trying to say. Because I think sometimes, especially in a foreign language, you sort of have this like very general idea. And so I want to make sure that each phrase is very specific in the intention. So I think I look at a lot of, in more the intention of the singing. Right. That's great. I hope people are excited about that because I know I know that I am. Our master classes, um, we've had Jonathan Reithold, Maria Damore, Ellen Rissinger was was did a addiction class oh, for us. Fabulous. Um, yeah, I mean they're all so, great. Yeah, we, we have some really great people lined up. Um and you're you just start that whole cycle. So um the other no thing pressure. I just wanted to quickly ask is uh, do you have anything else lined up? Um, I know that you said you mentioned earlier when we were talking privately that you were sort of every like your gigs were lining up really quickly now. Um, do you have anything yeah. in the uh, in the pipe in the pipe work here? Yeah, yeah. So I these last two weeks have been wild. I just feel like I've been running from gig to gig to gig, which is great. You know, I had everything from like a musical theater cabaret to the swing band played a 90th birthday party. You know, like it's been a little bit of everything. But um, I am singing Messiah. Now French romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I'll just call them together. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm singing um, Messiah with the Philadelphia Orchestra, the 22nd and the 23rd. I'm in the choir. Um, and then I'm singing with the Kutztown Alumni Jazz Band. It's, you know, a bunch of retired guys. So, I mean, there's like 13 trumpets or something, it's, but it's really fun. You know, everyone enjoys it. So we play two Christmas concerts in Fleetwood at two different churches. Um, and then I'm preparing my choir at church for Christmas Eve. It's, I feel like it's been two years since we've sung at mass. So that's been, you know, that's been a whole thing. So yeah, yeah, I mean, things are coming together. Great, so things to look forward to, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Mary, for joining us today. We're so happy that you could be here. And we're so grateful that you're going to be uh, our soprano soloist for, for this upcoming concert. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to it. And we are, too. So you can listen to Mary at our upcoming concert, Christmas in Paris. Again, that's Sunday, December 12th at 4 p.m. at St. John Baptist de La Salle Church in Chillington. Tickets are $15 at the door. And you can find out more information at our website, www.opus1chamberchoir.com. Now we turn to Music in the News, a segment in which we will highlight music events, other local arts organizations, and address particularly interesting topics that relate to the arts. First, I would just like to uh, talk about what's going to happen with Opus One in the upcoming months and in the second half of our 
10th season. So like we said with the, the segment with Mary, she's going to be doing the first master class of 2022, and that's going to take place on January, Saturday, January 29th at noon at Nativity Lutheran Church. Um, and that's going to be a voice master class. After that, we will have our first modern salon of the season. And that's going to take place on Sunday, February 13th at 4 p.m., also at Nativity Lutheran Church. And that's just an in-person recital event. It's a free event, a free recital. We do suggest a $10 uh, free will offering. After that, the small group, Echo, will present a concert entitled From the Shadows. Uh, and that will be an in-person event at, again, Nativity Lutheran Church on Sunday, March 27th at 4 p.m. Tickets are $15 for adults and $5 for students. And that concert will uh, contain repertoire of the German Baroque. I'm really excited about that concert with uh, music of Schutz and Schein and maybe some Telemann. That concert will also be presented virtually, accessible online from Sunday, April 3rd, through Sunday, April 24th. Finally, we end our season with a celebration of Von Williams concert. And that will include a, an American premiere of a work entitled The Garden of Proserpine. That in-person event will take place on Sunday, May 15th at 4 p.m. at St. John Baptist de La Salle. Tickets are $20 for adults, $10 for students. And we'll also have a virtual concert event that will be accessible from Sunday, May 22nd through Sunday, June 12th. That's what's happening with Opus One in the rest of the season. Of course, we have uh, more master classes every month, our podcast Octavo, so you can look forward to that. Debbie, what are the upcoming events uh, with our other organizations in our area? Well, Brooks County is bursting with holiday cheer. So I will start with um, the Reading Choral Society will be presenting the Messiah on Sunday, December 5th at St. Constantine and Helen Greek Orthodox Church. Um, for ticket information, um, go to readingchoral.org slash ticket sales htm uh, Advanced ticket sales are $15 and $20 at the door. Again, that is on Sunday, December 5th. The same day, David Bonet Christmas tribute to Charlie Brown will be happening at the Miller Center um, presented by Burke's Jazz Fest. It's a three o'clock performance. Tickets, the Burke's Youth Chorus will also be joining him for the second half of the show. The website to go to for ticket sales is millercenter.racc.edu and the tickets are $49 for that show. The same day, December 5th, uh, Yoakum Institute will be opening their Christmas Carol. They are playing from December 5th to the 12th. Tickets are $20 and are available at the Yoakum Institute website. Also at the Yoakum Institute on um, December 19th, is Jazz on the Avenue, a jazzy holiday by Trading Four. Tickets are $15 and available on the Yoakum Institute. Let's see, the Nutcracker will be held um, at the Scottish Rite Cathedral, December 18th and 19th. And that's by the Reading Pops and Brooks Ballet. 
Tickets are available on brooksbelletheater.com and tickets are $30 to $40. On, at Genesius Theater, they're doing a Brooks County Christmas Carol, which is a um, locally written production and featuring, or I should say starring, Michael O'Flaherty, who is one of the co-founders of Genesius. And um, the show is taking many people, iconic people in Berks County and putting them into the Christmas Carol. Um, so that show opens on December 10th and runs to the 19th. Tickets are available on the Genesius website and they're 28 to $32. And lastly, RCT Reading Civic Theater is proud to pronounce um, to announce that they are doing Grease at the uh, Miller Center for the Performing Arts, um, opening December 11th and December 12th. And their tickets are $25. And you can go to the Miller website to get those tickets and information there. I think that's all I have. It's a lot going on. Thanks, Deb. At the conclusion of each episode of Octavo, we normally recognize a person or organization that is fulfilling Opus One's creed, together we can make Reading sing. However, today we would instead like to highlight an organization whose creed is together we can make Reading eat. In 2020, Helping Harvest distributed over 11 million pounds of food to 300 plus charitable food partners, food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, after-school programs, and senior housing facilities in Berks and Schuylkill counties. Helping Harvest's network of food programs provide emergency food for an estimated 112,400 people, including 26,900 children under the age of 18 and 17,000 seniors. Opus One's upcoming December 12th event entitled Christmas in Paris will also be a non-perishable food drive for Helping Harvest. Concert goers are encouraged to bring cereal, peanut butter, grains, beans, pasta, snack items, or canned goods. There will also be a free will collection for helping harvest during the concert intermission. Here to talk about helping harvest is Jay Worrell. Jay has worked with many organizations and nonprofits in and around Berks County, including Schuylkill Community Action, the Pottstown YMCA, Neighborhood Housing Services of Greater Berks, Abilities in Motion and Habitat for Humanity of Berks County. He has served as the president of Helping Harvest since 2019. Welcome Jay and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Steph. Uh, we're just gonna start right off by uh, having you tell us a little bit more about Helping Harvest and the work your organization does and also the impact that it has on our community. So Helping Harvest is a food distribution organization. We serve as the hub of the charitable food networks in Berks and Schuylkill counties. So as you said before, we serve about 320 food distribution points um, and we provide the food for uh, no cost for 
pantries, homeless shelters, after school snack programs, um, uh, all of the programs in Berks and Schuylkill counties that serve low income uh, individuals. Uh, we we um, focus our food to the greatest extent we can on young children because we think that uh, providing food or meeting the nutritional needs of children during the brain development years is an important feature, uh, but we also serve many, many families and senior citizens in our community. Uh, this time of the year is when I would assume that um, Helping Harvest um, with many other organizations are quite busy um, around the holidays. Can you tell us about some of your current programs that you have running and are there any upcoming events um, that we should know about? Sure. So yet the, here at the end of the year during the holiday season is our busiest time here at Helping Harvest. Um, we actually last year and this year have packed 5,000 Thanksgiving boxes and 5,000 holiday boxes, which we'll be giving out uh, for the Thanksgiving boxes. They're given out with a frozen turkey to families in our community. The holiday boxes that go out in December are given out with a frozen ham. Um, we probably will serve, will provide close to a million pounds of food in November and December this year. That's a, the volume that we did last year also. Um, so uh, we, we, uh, we do a lot of um, uh, food drives this time of year. We also do a lot, of, we have our big campaign mailer goes out at Thanksgiving time. Uh, it really is the time of year that people really connect with food and we see the, the, the food insecurity in our community rise this time of year. Currently, uh, what would you say are the needs of our community and how can our listeners um, help you guys out? So um, the biggest way that people can help Helping Harvest is by making a financial contribution to the organization. Um, I do like to tell people if, if you go to Redner's or Giant or Weiss or Boyer's and you buy um, two cans of, you spend a dollar and buy two cans of corn and give it to us, we have two cans of corn. That's a wonderful thing. Um, but sometimes, uh, we might not need corn, or um, it, if you buy a big if you buy a big truck load of corn all at the same time, you get a really good price. We might be getting four or five cans of corn for the dollar, um, or maybe what we need is fresh milk or frozen meats, or maybe we need gas for the truck. So um, financial donations are far and away the most impactful thing that you can do to help serve the hungry in Berks and Schuylkill counties. Um, we really like food drives, especially where children are involved, because we think that the, that handing over food is a kind of tactile experience that children really can get a hold of and understand, um, you know, in, in, in a very hands-on kind of a way. So we really appreciate schools and organizations such as yours that do food drives for us. Um, and we need volunteers now more than ever. Under the pandemic, um, we found that the most effective way for us to give people food is to pack it for them in our facility ahead of time. So typically what we did before the pandemic was we would bring cases of product out to our food pantries. They would spread it around the pantry, which was usually in a church. People would walk through the church, select the items that they wanted and go home with them. Because of the social distancing requirements and a lot of churches being closed, we haven't been able to distribute food that way. So we've had volunteers here in our warehouse putting uh, products in boxes and bags so that when they go out to the pantries, we can just hand the family a box of food and limit the um, contact and risk in that way. We're also running a lot of what we call mobile markets, which are kind of drive-through food distributions where people line up in cars, open the trunks of their car, and we just put food in, in, in the trunk 
again, it's just a very safe way to distribute food at that time. But all of those things really require a lot of hands to make them work. So volunteers are, have become a crucial part of how we distribute food in our community. Um, the best way to find out how to donate or to volunteer with Helping Harvest is to go on our website, helpingharvest.org. There are links there both, uh, both for volunteering and for donations and uh, answers to most people's questions can be found on the website. Okay, awesome. Well, I just wanted to extend a, a thank you so much for joining us today um, and giving us that information. Uh, you did actually uh, answer my next question, which was how can we get in touch with Helping Harvest? Um, is there anything else that you feel that our listeners uh, should know other than what we just talked about? The one thing that I think we really wanna make sure that people understand is Berks and Schuylkill County has been so generous for hungry neighbors in our community over the last year. Um, we've needed people's help now more than we ever did in the past. And we have found that our community has stepped up and supported us. So it's very important that people understand how much we appreciate all of the support that has been shown to Helping Harvest. Um, but our need is not diminishing and we really need people to continue to support us as they have in the past. But um, I've been working for over 20 years in the, charitable, in the charitable community around here. And even with all that experience, I still have been so surprised by the level of support we've gotten. And we are so grateful for all of the organizations and individuals that have supported us at this time. And our communities are grateful for the service that you provide. So we do appreciate it. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you well uh, in this uh, holiday season and reaching out to all those that are in need. Thank you, Scott. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, take care. That's all the time we have for today. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and that you join us next month for Opus One Octavo. And remember, together we can make Reading sing. For more information about Opus One, visit our website www.opus1chamberchoir.com.